Hi, I'm Cecilia Solano, and you're listening to Pearl Divers United. Before I get into the background of the podcast, and uh, before I get into my own story, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the LGBTQ community. It's June 2020, and uh, it's, as you all know, it's Pride Month. And many of you are posting some beautiful posts, lots of positivity out there. And for those of you who are suffering inequality, my heart goes out to you, my heart and my prayers. I'm reminded of many out there who have suffered at the hands of hatred and hurt, and it's out of straight ignorance. But um, in a positive light, there are many that are being accepted and families are learning and growing and loving one another. I'm reminded of two awesome people that I lost several years ago. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people. Um, One in which is my friend Raymond Romero. I still remember you every day. There's not a day that goes by or um, listening to The Cure and I go right into remembering the good old days. And Raymond was only 36 years old when he died from um, illness. And uh, I miss him very much. And um, as well as Deborah Overbow, that was several years ago that we lost you. Um, Debbie was she was just a very interesting person I I knew her actually she knew me since before I was born and just a, an incredible person and uh, both of them very beautiful people that I, I miss dearly so um, now I want to move over to um, also the Black Lives Matter um, movement and people out there that are fighting for equality and it just you know it breaks my heart that in this day and age we're still having to fight for equal rights you know the and in this case now we have people that are fighting for the right to live and there are some there's some tough stuff out there with uh blows my mind actually even scares me a little that there are people out there who misused their authority and took the lives of people that yeah maybe they they did the crime maybe there was there were things that were going on that they shouldn't have been a part of but as many would agree that there's doesn't give someone the right to be judge jury and executioner all in one but um anyway I uh starting to get off into a (laughs) not sure where I was going with that but anyway just wanted to um just say that for all of you cops out there that are doing a awesome job I applaud you all the first responders firemen, police officers, nurses, doctors, all of you that are um, doing a great job. I applaud you and also pray for your safety and that you keep on doing a great job. Um, 
I'm uh, thinking of right now a, um, a quote by uh, Martin Luther King, which um, since I've been looking into all of like the news and all that that's going on out there, people marching and protesting, I um, recently read a, a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. He says, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Awesome words. And I um, just wanted to share that really quick. I am um, very moved by, um, by Martin Luther King and, and many others. I have quotes after quotes that I would love to share, but, um, I wanted to get into the background of pearl diving. And, um, so pearl diving goes back, uh, some 4,000 years in many different countries and cultures. It was dangerous work and the divers were not highly regarded people. Some were even slaves. Um, a philosopher Hannah Arendt in her the third part of her essay on Walter Benjamin titled The Pearl Diver she compares Benjamin's work on retrieving historical quotes to that of pearl divers collecting tiny gems from the depths like Benjamin who pulls quotes from the history pearl divers retrieve tiny gems from the ocean floor and so for us, sharing our own stories opens ourselves and enriches others with our own pearls, thus making us pearl divers. And uh, it's been a passion of mine, learning and helping others through conversation. And I can't think of a better time than now to come and unite as unique individuals, diving into our depths opening ourselves and allowing each other to accept one another. And I believe that many of us want to tell our stories and have people understand and accept us. For me, I'm a natural born storyteller, talker. From the time I was little, you could never shut me up. There were many in my life though that tried to shut me up and remarked that I talked too much um, and sometimes that I wasn't even making sense. Years ago, I was told I would make a great pearl diver, and uh, <laughs> since I could talk and talk and talk without ever having to take a breath, but that didn't stop me. I kept on reaching out, and I found that there are people out there that do want to hear my stories. I found all types of people that not only wanted to listen to me, they started sharing their stories as well. There were people from all walks of life moms, young people, doctors, spiritualists, pastors, and many others that would encourage me to tell my life stories of being a teen mom, a young girl, and then a woman who didn't embrace her culture as a Latina. It took me years later to finally embrace my, my heritage. I am a sex, I am a survivor of sexual abuse mental and verbal abuse as well. Um, 
I picked up after a tough divorce in my 30s and I raised two awesome children and um, I am now I'm proud of who I am and I believe that it was through my relationship with God and many other wonderful people in my life and um, I experienced healing through um, that love and understanding and I believe it is through each other that we can heal our differences and um, I don't know I'm I'm you know I'm encouraged by um, there's a a scripture by Paul to the Ephesians uh, let's see in four um, verse four two through three. Um, It says, be humble, be always humble, gentle and patient. Show your love by being tolerant with one another. Do your best to preserve the unity which the Spirit gives by means of peace that binds you together. I, you know, I'm encouraged. Um, I'm not necessarily somebody who practices religion. I'm a little bit more into the the spiritual thing, but I am a believer for sure. And, um, but so what I want to do with this podcast, I'm hoping is to reach out to many others. And, um, I hope to talk to all types of people and I encourage others to be a part of this. Share your stories. So I think that was a perfect, <laughs> perfect segue into um, my story. So as I mentioned, that um, I am a Latina, and I come from a big family. I'm the youngest of six, and I was raised in Southern California. And I unfortunately do not know any Spanish. Our parents, they spoke Spanish and in the household, but we never picked it up. It was never like one of those things where it was taught. We, I didn't get to really grow up with any of the, of the Mexican or Spanish culture. Not like I got to, I, it wasn't until later on that I got to try all the tasty foods and I've learned that a lot of people base a lot of their culture around food. And um, the only thing that I grew up around as far as Mexican culture was my mom made fantastic rice. It was delicious. My dad, he did the the beans, the frijoles. (laughs) And it was pretty good. And uh, he would do this thing where he would make the beans first into like a soup and then it would, um, then he would mash them up. And so it would kind of went a long way. We didn't just have the kind of like where everybody believes like that stereotypical beans and rice goes with every meal. That wasn't necessarily us. It, the meals were a little bit more, I guess, different. We didn't just have beans and rice with everything. Um, my mom would make this dish called chili con carne and 
she would have rice on the side. But usually if there was beans, it was like some type of, the beans was more of like a, it was more like a meal in itself rather than being just the, um, you know, like I said, the side. So we, um, in our family, we grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and we, um, got to, for me, the schools that I went to and the people that I grew up around, I learned at a very early age that I learned I was different and all I ever wanted to do was fit in. That was the most important thing to me. The most important part and I learned later on through therapy that it was really an acceptance thing that I wanted so much to to fit in. I come eight years after the fifth child and all my brothers and sisters were, you know, they're quite a bit older than me. My, the oldest boy or my oldest brother was 17 years. I think, I believe he was 17 years old when I was born. And so, like I mentioned, they were all in their teens, older, not really around when, when I was growing up. And then by the time I was, I believe 10, the youngest, the fifth, the fifth one had already moved out and cause she was young. She was, a um, a, I don't want to get too much into her story. I'll, I'll let her tell it some other day, but, um, she was young when she, when she married and, and moved out. So I was left, um, with my mom and her then second husband. And that's a whole other story. <laughs> a whole other story as well, but, um, yeah, my parents, they divorced when I was seven, and she married a white man, and so as I was mentioning the people that I grew up around, they were, all my little friends were, were white, and they would make fun, they would make some jokes about my dark skin, and that my hair was so dark or my eyelashes were so dark. And I kind of got that even later when kids would make fun of the fact that, you know, I had facial hair and (laughs) I always think of my big fat Greek wedding when she talks about being a swarthy six-year-old with sideburns. (laughs) I can totally relate. I had, um, I did have facial hair as well and I was very petite, um, I'm short, but also when I was young, I was short and very tiny. And so I was always picked on either for having these funny little chubby cheeks and, or being tiny, people would always want to pick me up and goof around, you know, and, and I don't know, it's, it's so funny after all these years and I thought it would be so easy to tell some of these stories. It's funny how it's still, I still get a little nervous when I bring it up. But, uh, yeah, I, I grew up with around mostly, uh, white people 
my all my brothers and sisters married white people my cousins same thing and so none of us really grew up around the culture where there was Spanish speaking or you know the accent um, I get to listen now to you know people like George Lopez and even one of my biggest you know um, somebody who I, I admire is people like Selma Hayek and I just I love the culture now but back when I was a kid I there wasn't a whole lot of it back then it was it was made fun of it was always like Chico and the man it was you know making fun of Hispanics and <clears throat> excuse me the TV shows and people that I would talk to would always make fun and I learned when I was a teenager I learned the term wetback which I had never even knew what that was about my parents didn't raise me with knowing things like that I, I, I didn't grow up with derogatory um, racial slurs you know nothing my parents were very religious I grew up Catholic and then later on became um, born-again Christian my father kept on <laughs> being a very devout Catholic and even that, you know, I know that Catholicism is a big, is really big in the um, Spanish and Hispanic um, community, but for our family, it really wasn't, you know, there are at least, I let me, let me rephrase, in my, when I was growing up, after my dad moved out, it was not a big, not a big thing for me to grow up with religious culture, and so while my mom was, she became a, um, a single mom for a little bit before she remarried, she became a hairstylist and was running her own salon. And so she wasn't home a lot. So that created another, another topic for me being a latchkey kid. And that's for a whole other time, a whole other episode. But, um, you know, when I, when I grew up watching movies like Valley Girl and Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, I, cause I grew up in, um, I was born in the seventies and was a teenager in the eighties, which I have to admit, I, I believe it was some of the greatest time. It was, it was so fun. I love the music and for myself, I grew up listening to bands like the Cure and the Smiths, Depeche Mode, Susie and the Banshees, and with all of this, like nowadays they call it alternative, but back when I was a kid, we would call it, if any of you can remember or know of, the New Romantics, that's what we would, we would refer to it, and um, some people even try to call it New Wave, but we weren't, my friends and I, we weren't into quote-unquote new wave because that was more of like the neon real flashy kind of you know lots of colors I was more in the kind of like the wannabe goths you know we we had our own little in my town we had our own little uh 
group of kids that were wannabe punks and goths and and um so we were out there wearing black black hair black clothes I mean it was so hot it was so hot in Southern California and we were trying to look so you know serious and mysterious like something out of like the kids out of England you know London and uh here we were just melting (laughs) I have a really funny story about I was just thinking of makeup melting I have a funny story about when I was a teenager one of my very sweet friends gave me a compact it was one of hers and so her face was very light she was very light skin and so when she gave me the compact it was for her skin color and so I found that if I could put on this powder which later on became a really funny um, my friends would tease me later but I would pack on this white powder to make my face lighter all the while you could see my dark skin on my neck and chest and, and hands and but meanwhile I was lathering on this layering on this white makeup to make myself look lighter <laughs> which it would melt later um, even when we went out <clears throat> my friends and I when we would go out and um, it would be it would still be hot you know it'd be hot in the evening and here we are with our long sleeves and I would wear like these long sleeve sweaters, black of course, and uh, some type of little skirt with very thick tights, black tights with some kind of black shoe. And even my nails, like back then in the early 80s, mid, early to mid late um, 80s, we didn't really have black nail polish. So what I had to do was a lot of us would take um, black Sharpie and then um, go over it with clear. I mean, if, if we were trying to look, you know, still a little bit feminine, a lot of the guys would just color in their, their nails with black Sharpie. And, uh, you know, to us it was cool, you know. And, and we had, um, with all of our, our earrings, we would actually help each other pierce each other's ears with some, somebody would get like one of those piercing ear earrings and then one of us would say here I can do it and we try to pop the earrings right through and it wasn't until later that we heard that oh you should ice it first you know and we're like oh okay you know all dumb and not even thinking about hygiene or infections oh my god so funny but um being a, a child of a hairstylist and seeing all of you know the movies and and I was really into MTV videos as back when videos were actually, you know, music, when MTV was music videos. And I would see all these, you know, different things like, um, different videos of like, like I mentioned earlier, Susie and the Banshees. And oh my gosh, I, I loved her style. I loved the makeup. And again, with that white makeup and all the eyeliner, I would try so hard to you know, have that sort of, um, that sort of edge, you know, that goth looking edge. And, uh, meanwhile, this, this horrible powder and, and light foundation type thing would just be melting off me and you could see the, the brown underneath. And so I had friends that would make fun, you know, and, and so 
even though it would, it would hurt my feelings and I would, I would be so embarrassed, you know, later and my friends, you know, they, I know they meant well and, and we all just kind of teased each other, but it did. There was that part of me that did hurt my feelings and I, and I guess it was mostly out of embarrassment because I wanted so much to fit in. That was so important to me. And, um, but I look back on all those years of, you know, I, I can honestly say I miss, I really do miss it. I miss the music, having fun, being silly with my friends and enjoying the eighties. And there was now when I, it's so funny cause I still have to this day, people will make fun that I'm so stuck in the eighties and I am, it was, it was a fun time. And it didn't really seem like there was a lot of hatred. Not that I got to see. I, in my little town, I didn't see a lot of hatred. There was times, though, that there were, you know, of course, kids that didn't get along. Or um, I was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that I was bully. Well, shoot, yeah, I guess there. <laughs> I guess a lot of us have. Um, there was a, a girl in my high school. She was a a, a blonde, blonde-eyed, blonde hair, blue-eyed girl. That she was just oh, she was nasty, and she would just say some of the most horrible things, or she would hurl insults at myself and and even sometimes my friends across the quad, and it would just be so embarrassing and. Um, yeah, I, the one, one of the times that also sticks out to me was I'd always, I was, I didn't have an accent, so I didn't have any kind of like a Mexican accent. I didn't wear the clothes. I didn't listen to the music, um, like a lot of the, the kids in my area. And so when I got to high school and all the different junior high schools were merging together and girls that didn't know me and they came from a Hispanic background and some of them came from, you know, a little bit harder backgrounds and they came in a little more harsh and I had five of them come up to me. Oh, it's funny when I think of five. Um, actually I think it was more like four four girls that were going to, they were roughing me up. They were going to, they were going to jump me and they were going to, they were pushing each other to beat me up because they said I was mad dogging their girl. And it was so funny because I didn't even know what mad dogging was. You're mad dogging our girl. And I'm like, what's mad dogging? And then they start making fun of me even more what's mad dogging? Get her, get her. You know? And I'm like, all right, all right. So here I am standing at like, probably, I think I'm 4'11. And I think at the time I might've been like maybe a hundred pounds and I dropped my books and I'm like, all right, all right, I'll fight you, but just one at a time. And these girls, these girls start laughing at me and they're like, oh man, you're weird. You know, it's the first thing they come out telling me that, you know, you're, girl, you're weird. And I just stood there and, and I was just, you know, terrified, shaking. And 
my voice was shaking and I felt like I was about to cry and they said, nah, man, you're cool. You're cool. And, um, later on they were, they were cool to me and, but I did get it in a lot of different other ways, either from with going and hanging out with my white friends, I would hear some racial slurs from their parents. Um, I growing up, I would hear a lot of that. And even like when I got married, I'd found out that even my ex-mother-in-law behind my back had called me a wetback. So to this day, I don't know if it's totally true that she said it, but I was told that she had said it and it hurt my feelings. And I, cause it was hard, you know, I didn't always see myself as the way other people saw me with the dark skin. And it wasn't until one day when a woman had said to me that I was a coconut, a coconut. I mean, I've been called all kinds of stuff, but never a coconut. I thought, what the hell is a, <laughs> what the hell is a coconut? And, um, she said it was that I was brown on the outside and white on the inside. And that blew me away. I mean, I, I had to really finally come to the understanding and realize that's right. That's right. That's, that's what I am. That's what I, I'm brown on the outside and I guess very white on the inside. I, I married a white man and like my brothers and sisters all married white people. Most of my friends were all predominantly white. Although I did have friends from every culture from, you know, from people of color to, you know, just actually all types, but I was more attracted to and gravitated more towards white people. And I guess that was coming, you know, from my upbringing, but, um, coconut, you know, that was, that was interesting. And, and I had to, through my therapy and learning to grow and accept myself, I had to accept the fact that that's who I am, you know, and I'm finally getting to a place where I feel like I don't have to have people, uh, that was going to be a lie. I do still, I I still do yearn for acceptance, but now I'm learning to accept myself. And I think that's important. And, um, so that's a little bit of me. I know I'll be sharing a lot more in, um, episodes to come, but, uh, I do wish to invite you to come and share your story. I would love to hear your story. And I know there are many out there that would. And, uh, so I, um, I'm going to close with including the Pearl Divers United email. Please send me your story. I can either read your story or one day have you on and tell your story yourself. So please email me at ccpearldivers72 at gmail.com. Again, that's C as in cat. C is in cat, pearldivers72 at gmail.com. I want to do a real quick plug um, for the artwork that was done on um, the main page. The photography and artwork was done by my son, Nicholas. 
Satarsky, and he is doing um, his own, he's becoming a photographer and creating his own business, and unfortunately, I'm sorry, Nick, I don't have your information in front of me, but you can find him on Instagram, that's Nick Satarsky, and a beautiful artwork, and as well as my daughter-in-law, Andrea, also helped me with the creation of this podcast. I want to thank you guys so much. Um, also, a quick shout out to uh, my my loving family. Um, I love you guys all so much. My, as I mentioned, my son Nick and my daughter um, Stephanie. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for your support. And also to um, my great guy Kenny. Thank you for being there and understanding and and uh, my brothers and sisters you guys are all so amazing I love you all so much and I look forward to hearing from I look forward to hearing from all of you (laughs) thank you for listening